We all have a story to tell. The longer our lives, the richer our stories. When I look at you, I see a woman of strength, integrity, character. A woman who has seen hardships, struggles, pain, and loss. A woman who has compassion, love, courage, and power. A woman who has succeeded, failed, and learned. A woman who will continue to persevere and thrive. When I look at you, I see a woman who is wise, not withered. Welcome to the Wise Not Withered show. I'm your host, Juliana. I am primarily a musician. I compose, play piano, and sing and dance with children for a living, but I've always had a passion for writing and for video games. The storytelling potential in games these days is essentially limitless, and so are the ages of the protagonists. You can read more about the Wise Not Withered global collaborative project, Phase 2.0, on my website, wisenotwithered.com. The goal of Why Is Not Withered as a whole, in all of its phases, is to expand representation of middle-aged and elderly women in a society that currently values feminine youth over wisdom. Here in Phase 1, Season 1, you'll hear inspiring life stories of various wise women that I personally know. We talk about upbringing, careers, romantic relationships, challenges, successes, and lessons learned. After each interview, I'll take a bit of time to reflect on what I learned from each woman and how her story relates to my own life. This week's interviewee is the mother of one of my best friends. I've known this wonderful, kind lady for a little over 10 years, and it was really great to get to know her even more. My friend and I always say how alike our mothers are in their overall positive and upbeat demeanor. All right, so how old are you? 57, we'll be 58 in December. Do you have any nicknames? When I was a, a little kid, my dad used to call me Mushi. 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 And then my um, my mom started calling me that too, and, or she'd go Mushki. She put like a Russian twist on mm-hmm. it for some reason. Then when I was in high school and I was taking Japanese, I learned Mushi meant bugs. <laughs> so then I didn't like being called that. Oh, okay. I think it was just my dad's affectionate way of saying it. And uh-huh. My mom added the little mushki part. Yeah. <laughs> um, when I started at Matson, the job that I'm at, um, 34 years now. Oh, wow. When I first started, I was a young thing, 23 years old. <laughs> and the engineer guys used to call me Sparkles. Sparkles. And I, I'm not sure why. Maybe they thought I was had a sparkling personality. Yeah, that sounds about but, right. But... Um, you know, they were very nice to me, and I was young, I was learning things, and I liked that nickname, Sparkles. Mm. Sparkles. Do they still call you that there? No. <laughs> <laughs> All those guys are gone. Oh. <laughs> no. Okay. No, 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 I don't know. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> okay, um, so what was or is your relationship with your mother like? Um... You know, I gave that one a lot of thought because that's a tough one. Yeah. So I was pretty rebellious as a kid. Mm. I was the fourth of five kids. Okay. So I think by the time I came along, my mom had kind of seen it all. Yeah. I was kind of tired, you know. And so I didn't feel like I had a very 
close relationship with my mom. Mm. I felt like she was kind of checked out. Mm. She kind of, um, you know, my, my siblings were a lot older. And so, you know, she started her career. She worked at the telephone company, okay. Hawaiian Telephone. And she worked the night shift. So she was mm. gone from 3... Her, her shift started at 3 p.m. and ended at midnight. Oh, wow. So after school, I didn't see her. Mm. And yeah. so I just felt like that whole part of it, I, I felt like I didn't really have a, a very strong or good relationship with her. Mm. Um, in high school, we started having a better relationship, which is odd because I think it's the opposite for a lot of other people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but, interesting. Um, that's when we, we, we started talking and learning about each other. And from then on, from high school on, I felt like I had a pretty good relationship okay. with her. But not, not early on. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's that is kind of opposite of some people. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> right. Interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what what kind of person was? Or did she pass away? She, she passed. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But she was. I w I would say she was kind of rebellious because <laughs> that generation, my mom's generation, especially being Japanese. Yeah. The Japanese women were not supposed to have their own mind. You know, they had to be deferential to men. Right. And uh, she was not that. She used to talk back to my dad all the time. I think in our in our house, she kind of wore the pants. Hmm. And she spoke out a lot, and she had definite opinions about stuff. And she was kind of rebellious herself. Mm -hmm. So I think that's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, in what ways do you think you're like her or different from her? Um, I think I am kind of like her in that I, because I was a rebellious kid, and now, it, you know, I'm older and I'm kind of more sedate, but when I was younger, in my 20s, I was pretty hot-tempered and very opinionated. <laughs> yeah. And I felt that when things were wrong, that I needed to say something or do something. Right. And so I feel like that part of it I got from her. Hmm. Mm. Okay. Interesting. Um, so you are employed, right? Yes. Um, so what, what is your job? I am a pricing manager at Matson. It's an ocean shipping company. Oh, right, shipping. Right. Ocean shipping. Familiar. And um, we ship between Pacific Coast ports, Hawaii, Guam, China. And we started Alaska three years ago. And so now I'm in charge of the Alaska pricing. Okay, interesting. Have you ever gotten to travel for work or do um, not really is that not part of it it's it's not really part of it though I did get to go to Alaska last year for work and I'm going again in August okay um and in all my 34 years there <laughs> even though Hawaii is a big part of the job they've only sent me there once <laughs> where the company paid for it all yeah. the other times I just was going home to visit my family right that's where I'm from. yeah okay interesting uh, so what other jobs have you had over your life Oh, okay. Well, since I moved to the mainland, um, Matson has been like my only uh, my okay. only job. Right. But you said you've had that for like 30 years. 34 years. 34. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I moved here when I was 23. So okay. before I moved here, I worked as a clerk in the at the Kaneohe Marine Corps Air Station. Okay. Where I, I worked in the headquarters squadron, where I would type up. Back then, um, when the Marines, it was a Marine base. When the Marines got deployed. There was something called orders that, you know, said, uh, you know, private so-and-so, you're being assigned to this squadron in this place. So all that was typed up on a typewriter. Yeah. So I had wow. to type things up like that. I was a bad typist, but I used to type things up like that. So I worked there uh, part-time when I was in high school. 
um, I had a summer job at the Dole Pineapple Cannery mm. when I was 16. Oh, how? Was that your first job? That was, that was actually my first job. Okay, okay. And that was a summer job. Most kids, that's a rite of a passage <laughs> for kids in Hawaii is to work at the pineapple factory okay. during the summertime. Yeah. You know, you earn some money and... Anyway, uh, Dole pulled out, of course, now it's cheaper to grow the pineapple in Southeast Asia, mm. so they don't even grow it really there anymore. But yeah, that was my first job, okay. and I guess my second job was at the Marine Corps Air Station. Mm -hmm. And then after that, um, I worked at uh, GEICO. Oh, wow. I actually sold automobile insurance and homeowners insurance. <laughs> yeah. And then also at Harpo's Pizza, Pizza Place. Okay. <laughs> so those were my jobs before I moved here. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Um, so what, what kinds of things do you think you learned from those jobs? Like either oh. specifically or just as a whole, like customer service or... Yeah, well, you know, I, I learned a lot from, the, from my first job as a teenager in the, the dual pineapple factory, mm -hmm. I learned I didn't want to do that. <laughs> that it was fine for the three months of summer. Yeah. But I thought, you know, I can't, I can't do this. Uh-huh. Um, too repetitive? It was too repetitive and the smell. Oh. It's very strong. You you smell like pineapple. Oh. No matter what, yeah. you can go home, you can take a bath, your clothes, your shoes, because the pineapple juice would drip into your shoes. Oh my gosh. My shoes and my socks, everything smelled like pineapple. Wow. Yeah, it's, I feel like that would be nice for like five minutes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and in Hawaii, the cockroaches would crawl in my shoes because they uh, like the smells. I just uh, have to shake them out every night before oh, I put them on. Yuck. Oh, wow. So I decided wow. I'm not doing this. I mean, yeah. it was fine for the summer, but mm -hmm. this is not a career for me. Mm. Um, I liked working at the Marine Corps Air Station because I got to meet a lot of um, Marines, and they were from all over the U.S. Yeah, interesting. And I was a young thing, so they all talked to me. But it was interesting <laughs> getting to know about all these different people from all these different places that yeah. being in Hawaii is kind of sheltered. Mm. You know, meeting people from Mississippi, for instance. Well, that was a big deal. Wow, Mississippi, New York, <laughs> things like that. It was very interesting for me. Yeah. And I liked that. And I found that I liked talking with the people mm -hmm. and, and helping them. So that was good. Um, working for the insurance company, I learned a lot about insurance. And again, because I had to sell insurance, you know, I was working with people, trying to help them, and I liked that. Mm -hmm. I liked that part of the job. And the pizza place was just fun because everybody was young. We were all in our early 20s. And, you know, you're just making pizza, serving pizza, and hanging out with friends afterwards. That was more of a social thing, I mm -hmm. think. <laughs> so it was kind of, that was just a fun job. Yeah. So I, I think what I learned from all of those jobs was I really liked working with people mm -hmm. and helping them. Yeah, good, nice. Um, so you grew up in Hawaii, where where exactly? Uh, in Kailua, which is on the island of Oahu. Okay. It's, it's like the southeastern corner of the island. Okay, yeah, I have some family there. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, on my mom's side. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so where where have you lived all throughout your life? Like oh. there, and did you move here, and you've been here ever That's since? That's it, right. Yeah, oh, wow, I grew okay. up in Hawaii, and then I moved here to California, and I've been here ever since. Just okay, interesting. Nice. Um, okay, so talk about the romantic relationships you had over your life. Um, you know, not that many, I have to say. Um, I'm not kind of loosey-goosey, I guess, or more, <laughs> you know, kind of 
traditional and old fashioned. Yeah, I had a yeah. boyfriend in high school, mm-hmm. a surfer guy, and we were <laughs> together all the way until he joined the military. Oh, okay. So he joined the military and moved away. And then after that, you know, I was really sad. <laughs> and then I didn't really date anybody. Just, you know, I went out with, with guys, but it wasn't serious. Mm-hmm. Maybe three or four, that's yeah. all. And then I moved here. And then I met Kenny. Okay. So, and why did you move here? I moved here to uh, do different things. When you grow up on the island, it gets kind of stifling. Mm. You see the same mm. people all the time. Everybody knows your business. <laughs> um, you know, it, it, the weather's always the same. There just wasn't a lot of different things to do. Mm-hmm. And I got bored. Yeah. And I just wanted to try something different. Mm-hmm. Okay. How interesting. Um, two or three mentors you've had over your lifetime, excluding parents or their family members. Oh, okay. So there's one co-worker I had at Madsen. Her name is Kari. She's from Norway. And um, she's probably about 13 or 14 years older than me. She's now retired. But she she was a great mentor for me because we, we were both kind of um, irreverent at work and kind of... Uh, we didn't go with the flow all the time. You know, if we didn't like something, we'd speak out. Mm-hmm. And so we got along that way because we thought we were very similar. But um, what I noticed about her is it was that she had a better way of getting her message across hmm. than I did. Oh. Because I would speak out and I would be maybe very negative or I'd come on too strong and it would turn people off. Oh. What I noticed is that she was able to do it with finesse. Huh. So we used to just hang out and talk about things like that. And there's two things that she told me, and these are probably like cliches, but I still remember them. One of them was, don't worry about how other people look, just worry about how you look. <laughs> I'm like, okay. So, you know, I took that to heart because, you know, there were you know, some very abrasive people at work, and I'd be complaining to her about them, and she said, so? Don't worry about how they look. Just worry about how you look. Hmm. And then the other thing she was, she told me once, something had really upset me at work again about a, another person. And she said, don't get mad, get, get even. <laughs> so those two things, I mean, they're kind of cliche things, but I think about them every day. Yeah. When I want to have a conflict at work, I think about those two pieces of advice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I feel like those kinds of cliches are, if you hear them at the right time, it really makes an impact. It does. Yeah. It does. It's very, it resonates, right? Mm-hmm. And so she told me those things, and I always remember that. Yeah. Um, and another mentor I had was another woman at work. Her name is Shirley. She's since passed on, but she was my first supervisor at Matson. Okay. And she took charge, and she never let any man tell her what to do. I mean, I <laughs> admired her. She was really <clears throat> gutsy and spoke her mind, you know. And... Um, she had a very, very soft way of talking. And so I asked her about that. She said she used to be like me because I, I get loud. And she said that a mentor had told her early on in her career, you could be more effective if you speak softly mm-hmm. because people have to listen yeah. to really hear what you're saying. And I thought, she says, she goes, I know I see you. You get excited, you get mad, and you get loud. She goes, teach yourself to go in the other direction yeah so so she taught me that of course I always forget that when I get really loud <laughs> but but she was really effective that way because she spoke very measured I mean I could tell she was she'd be mad about something mm-hmm. feel passionate about it yeah but she would say it very softly 
Right. Interesting. I have noticed that while I'm teaching, if I yell at my students, you know, they're shocked for a second. But if I just scold them but quietly like almost everyone's listening it's it's very interesting yeah yeah yeah. so yeah it's a very effective i think technique Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. that's that's cool i like that okay um so getting a little heavier (laughs) um what was your first experience with grief yeah i i would have to say it was the death of my mom which happened Mm. in 2007 so this is late in my life um other aunts and uncles who had passed away I was really small and didn't I didn't really understand what it meant Mm -hmm. I think the one that that hit me the most even my dad died before my mom but it was really when my mother died in 2007 because I felt that we had finally connected as adults and not as a child um and and um I felt really really sad when she passed on even though she lived in Hawaii 2,500 miles away but I used to call her up to tell her very significant things things about Tommy and Karina oh Tommy got an award mm-hmm. oh Karina you know got an A and she'd always want to hear about it no matter what it was you know which might be kind of boring to other people she always stopped what she was doing and wanted to hear all about it. yeah and so even now when something happens, I feel like I want to pick up the phone and call her. Yeah. And it's like, oh yeah, I can't do that anymore. So I, I felt that. And I also felt a lot of guilt because mm. I was kind of a rebellious kid. I feel like I had lost years mm. growing up that I should have spent better. Of course, it's always easy to look back, right? What I feel regretful about is that I didn't make the effort back then to connect with her sooner, Mm. and that there were periods um, after I moved here and was busy with my family that I didn't spend enough time Mm -hmm. connecting with her. So so that, that is my experience I guess when it really hits home yeah yeah what what do you think you learned about life or death that you could teach other people um basically you do have to do each day you know you have to live each day my mom had a lot of health problems but she never seemed to die and so I never thought she was gonna die yeah Yeah, she had so many things wrong with her and she still kept living I was like nothing can kill her and then when she finally passed and it wasn't dramatic it was just very in her sleep I thought no, she's supposed to be here so yeah. I can keep talking to her. So really, it's, you never know what's going to happen. So you have to live each day. Yeah, how old, how old was she? She was 76, oh, so really okay. not that old. Yeah, yeah. But she was, had really bad health for like 20 years. Hmm. And she wasn't expected to live that long. But again, she defied all the odds and <laughs> did. She just kept on, on going. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so I guess continuing with this heavy stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, what's one of the biggest challenges that you've overcome? Either a specific situation or like a sort of ongoing, long-term thing? Um, I think one of them has been knowing that I can't do everything. Mm. That, that was really hard for me to accept. So in my, um, when I was in my mid-30s, I, uh, Karina was only, gosh, she was like two or three years old, and Tommy was like about seven or eight. Yeah. I decided I wanted to go back to school and finish my undergrad, 
because I had dropped out in Hawaii to go to the beach, go to the pizza place, and do all those fun <laughs> stuff, yeah. and I never finished. Oh, okay. So I felt that, not necessarily for work, for work, yeah, that, uh, what, well, what happened was with that work, I felt like I had reached kind of a point where I couldn't go any further mm-hmm. un- unless I did something. And so I thought, okay. well, you know, I can finish school. And they reimbursed me for it. So there's really... Oh, wow. Yeah, full okay. reimbursement. Books wow. commission. Wow. Fabulous benefit. Uh-huh. How can you say no to yeah, that, Yeah, right? wow. But I was working a full-time job, and I was supervising, you know, about 10 people. But I thought, up until then, I had never felt any limitations about anything that I could do. Hmm. So I can do this. <laughs> so I went back to school, full-time. I was working full-time. And uh, the University of Phoenix program, you take one class every five weeks. Okay. So you go to class one day a week for four hours, like from six till 10. And then you have study groups for like two or three days a week. But each class goes by really fast. Yeah, only five weeks. five weeks. Yeah, that's crazy. It was intense. But I thought I could do this. So I did it. I did it for about a year and a half. And then I hit, I crashed. I started having anxiety attacks. Oh. And um, when I went to my doctor, when, the fir- when it first happened, I said, well, what's going on? He goes, how much sleep are you getting at night? I said, like, three hours. Because I would stay up till, like, 1 o'clock in the morning studying, writing papers, and I'd sleep till about 4, get up, study a little bit, go to work, oh full time. And so, and he said, wow. okay, um, are you drinking a lot of coffee? I said, oh, yeah, I'm drinking coffee, diet coke, all this stuff, because I have to stay awake. He goes, well, he goes, yeah, I think your body's telling you that you're doing too much. I said, oh, no, I can do this. I... I have always done this. I can always hmm. burn the candle at both ends. I can do anything. I never thought anything would, would stop me. And he goes, well, I think your body's trying to tell you something. <laughs> so, wow. I mean, looking back on it now, I think, well, yeah, that to- makes total sense. That what was happening was I wasn't getting enough sleep. I was over-caffeinated. So I was like, oh, on overload. Yeah, like basic needs weren't being met. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And so... But that was a really rude awakening for me. Hmm. And I was 35 and I thought, what? Up until now, I was able to do anything I set my mind out to do. How can this be happening to me? And I was really yeah. mad at myself and upset. Um, and so part of it was my doctor said, okay, I want you to actually talk to a therapist. I'm like, I don't need that. <laughs> he said, well, just give it a try. And I'm so glad he said that because in talking with the therapist, somebody who actually will sit there and listen to you for an hour, yeah, <laughs> you know, it really made me stop and think that, wow, you know, I'm really hard on myself hmm. that I expect that I can do this, I can do this, and that I never wanted to ask for help. And uh, so it, it brought me to the realization that I can't do everything, that that's not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. It's okay to ask for help. Right when things when you're overwhelmed it's okay to kind of step back from it for a bit and take a break mm-hmm. because until then i just been go 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 yeah yeah and so that that was the hardest thing for me to accept yeah i think <laughs> so did you end up um did you quit the university stuff? Oh, no. No, I finished. <laughs> oh, you did? Okay. <laughs> I finished. I ended up, uh, my doctor wrote me out, like, for sick leave for, like, two weeks. Okay. So I could just chill. And just kind of recalibrate. Yeah, and Try to go back, try to get sleep, you know, started taking medication, um, anti-anxiety meds, which mm-hmm. I still take. Okay. Because I think it's my personality type. Yeah. I'm just always, um, so, um, recalibrated. Um, that one class I was in the middle of, my teacher uh, let me 
drop it for a couple of weeks and then finish late. Oh, good. No penalty. So yes. the teacher was nice. super cool. Yeah, and, that's you know, good. I had a hard heart with the teacher and he was like, hey, <laughs> you know, it's a lot. It's okay. Mm -hmm. And um, so I finished. And so um, but I think it made me more balanced in that I, I should not expect so much of myself or of others. Because up until then, I expected I could do anything and I expected everybody else to be just like me. Mm. And um, I had to readjust what I thought about myself and about what I expected from others as well. Mm -hmm. So it actually was a good, I think a good thing that yeah. I learned it then instead of later. Right. You know, so yeah. I'm glad I learned it when I did then. Yeah, interesting. That's good. Yeah. I, I feel like I just learned that <laughs> oh, <laughs> just okay. in the fall. I was teaching seven days a week oh. and I was just perpetually sick oh. for like a good probably five months. I was like, oh, what's happening? And I'm only working three jobs in five different schools in seven days. That's, oh, wow. a, you know, almost a thousand students. I can do this. <laughs> exactly. I know yeah. the feeling. <laughs> I know exactly the feeling. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, I mean, I guess you know, I guess we have to get to those places. You know, I wonder if we're, I mean, you know, meeting you and having you share that, too. There must be other people like us. Probably, right? especially, especially women, I feel. I think so. Yeah. Because we really push ourselves. Yeah. And we always want to give and just give and give and give and give and give. <laughs> and sometimes it's like, wait, I don't have anything left, yeah. right? I didn't exactly. give anything to myself. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So obviously you have children. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so what things do you feel you've been able to accomplish because of your children? Oh. Um, your wonderful children. They are awesome. <laughs> I just, you know, I... I often wonder, like, if I didn't have them, would I feel as happy as I do now? Mm. I don't know if my life would be as rich. Mm -hmm. You know, I miss them because they don't live close by. Yeah. But, um, you know, looking back on all the fun we had growing up, maybe they didn't think it was fun. But, you know, <laughs> I had a lot of fun with them. And even now having, it's a different relationship, uh, adult to adult kind of mm -hmm. thing. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just feel like, like my life is really rich and really happy and proud of them. And I just can't, I don't know, I can't imagine not having them. Mm -hmm. But I don't know, as from an accomplishment, really, um, you know, I don't know if that's really the right word that I would use. Right, yeah. I would just say enrichment yeah. and knowing that they're in the world and... I just really want them to be happy. That, yeah. That's really, I worry about them and I just want them to be happy kind of thing. So. Right. Okay. And what would you consider your greatest success in life so far? Oh, um, I would say, well, maybe the work success because I started off um, working for Shirley and I was like just a typist. And then now, you know, I've worked my way up and now I'm a manager. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I find that just, you know, going through doing all the different jobs that I've had over the last 34 years at Matson and those opportunities, I find that I'm very proud of that. So I look on that as a success. Okay, so you've you've been at the same company but kind of climbed up. And mm -hmm. up. Okay, mm -hmm. Working yeah. in different jobs and always, you know, working upwards. Yeah, that's great. That's nice. So how about your greatest failure and what, what did you learn from maybe what seemed like a failure at the time but maybe over time it's become a good thing? Yeah, um... Well, um, I would have to say, again, thinking about work, there were times earlier when I was in my 30s, again, 
where I was very impatient. And I, I had a clash with this one guy named Bill. He was a, a temp person, but a long time temp. He had been with us for like three or four years. He had a very strong <laughs> it's not personality. not very temporary then. Exactly, right? <laughs> That's funny. He had a very uh, strong personality, as did I. And one day we really got into it at work where we were yelling at each other. Mm -hmm. So that wasn't my finest moment. <laughs> um, I felt afterwards, you know, my boss talked to me and he said that was very inappropriate. Mm -hmm. He's a, he works for you. He's a, even if he was not a temporary employee, say a regular employee, he says you're not supposed to yell to get your point across. Mm -hmm. And he goes, yeah, he was mouthing back to you and he was provoking you. He goes, but you have to take the high road. And mm -hmm. that was very wrong the way you handled that. So that really hurt because I, I still felt I was right. Mm. Bill was wrong. What he was doing was wrong. And I was right. But my boss told me that that wasn't the right way to handle it. And I mm. felt very, after that, I felt very embarrassed. And I felt like, oh, I'm a failure. I didn't handle that correctly. I remember yeah. Shirley had told me, don't yell. You should be your voice. <laughs> I'd forgotten all of that in the heat of the moment. I was yeah. yelling at him. But then, because of that, I had to really stop and think and say, well, you know, as mad as I am at him, and I, I think, yeah, I'm right, I have to look in the mirror and say, you know, I was at fault. Because what my boss said was right. I shouldn't have done that. So that was really hard for me to, because I just felt like, I'm right, you're wrong, shut up, everything, you know, I'm right. <laughs> yeah. But I yeah. had to really take a step back and acknowledge that I wasn't. So at the time, I was devastated. I mean, I was just like, oh no, I mean, how can I go back to work? I'm just so embarrassed by this. How can I face him and everybody who listened to it? Yeah. But I, I talked to him. I apologized to him, you know, separately. I told Bill, I said, look, I was really wrong. I'm sorry. And he apologized too. That's good. And then we came to a better understanding. Mm -hmm. And then separately, when he was out to lunch, I went and talked to the other people and said, I apologize for my conduct. What I did was really wrong. Felt I wanted everybody to know that you know I'd done some introspection and that I felt that that was not appropriate and I didn't want them to think oh it's okay to go around yelling at people because right. she did it yeah so um, so yeah so it was at the time I felt really devastated I thought it was like the most horrible thing <laughs> but now I have to look back at it I think that was good because I really learned a lot a lot from that situation mm -hmm. yeah so I, I've I've heard that come up a lot the it's it's more important how you damage control afterward because what oh. well, we all like explode at different times but how you handle it after I feel like is is more important oh, yeah okay. yeah I, it's hard I, I had yeah. a really hard time doing it because because you have to admit that you did something wrong yeah which yeah. is always really hard. hard to do yeah it was hard yeah so was there a defining moment in your life when you felt you became an adult? That was a great question. Because I've always felt like that ever since I was 10 years old. Really? When I was 10 <laughs> years old, I remember this. I was at home one day. I had walked home from school. I'd finished my homework. <laughs> and I thought, wow, I don't feel like a kid anymore. I know what it's like to be an adult. I'm an adult now. And I told myself then, and I was 10, that I'm an adult now. Huh. And I just stayed with that. I just felt like ever since I was 10 that I've been an adult. I don't think that was true. <laughs> in my mind, that's how I felt. Yeah. Yeah. Why do you think you felt that way? Because you walked, did you say you walked home by yourself and finished your homework by yourself? Uh, like, 
well, did you feel I very self-sufficient? I felt very self-sufficient. The assignment was easy. I aced it. I was done <laughs> early. I mean, you know, I had walked home from school. I finished all my homework, and I thought, oh, now what do I do? <laughs> you know, I think I know all there is that I need to know now. <laughs> That's so and funny. And I just felt like that, and I just thought, yeah, okay. Wow, so, interesting. Yeah, from a very early age, I just felt like, yeah, I'm an adult now. Huh. I get that. Yeah, yeah. I can see that. That's, and that's totally that's interesting. wrong. I can look back and see all the dumb things I did after I was 10, uh-huh. before I was an adult. No more mistakes ever again. Yeah. No, I'm just, I'm I understand everything now. That's just so that, funny. Oh, weird, you know, but yeah, that's how I felt. Huh. Interesting. <laughs> Such conceit. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Wow. Huh. Yeah. How about, um, like, do you think like getting married or having kids like was it really turning a, a turning point at all or no or no no it okay when I was 10 <laughs> <laughs> interesting I love it wow that's I just felt like I, I knew who I was and I knew that this is how I am yeah I I, I feel that. like that that's it like you knew who you were and yeah yeah when you finally come at peace with when you know who you are I think yeah changes everything uh-huh yeah. interesting wow so did you like tell your parents or was it like a thing or just internal no it was just internal huh yeah, I gotta, you know i gotta go back to school and i think oh, they're so immature <laughs> you know to be thinking like <laughs> so how funny i know it's so odd how think, funny oh my gosh kid. i love that that's so funny <laughs> 10 yes 10 years I was old 10. yep Yep. Nice. I remember thinking that. And I still kind of think the same way. So. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it's stuck. Yeah. That's, that's so funny. So, um, in what ways do you believe you've had the most impact? I know I say in the world, but like oh, maybe just, um, maybe in, just within your community oh, circle gee. of people. I, I don't know that I have. I guess I don't feel like I've had a lot of impact, but I probably have affected others. Mm-hmm. So um, I would say maybe in my little work group, again, you know, since I spend most of my waking hours at mm-hmm. work, yeah. um, I do know that there's um, like a Bridget who works for me, Donna works for my coworker, but they, they look up to me for some reason. Um, <laughs> and I know I've made an impact on them because they try to uh, follow the way I do things like mm-hmm. you know they see how I make a file and they want to do the same way mm-hmm. or they'll notice how I, I I structure a rate quote a certain way with certain clauses in it and they're like I like that can I borrow that I'm like sure so in my own way I guess I've impacted them in that I show them how I think something should be done and I don't say they have to do it the same way mm-hmm. they want to do it the same way yeah so, I guess. <laughs> just lead by example yeah Is there anything you've always wanted to talk about, but no one has ever asked? Not really. Not really? <laughs> I don't think so, because I can, if people just talk to me about stuff, I'll participate, and I, I can't think of any topic that we haven't discussed. No, I, I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> All right, last but not least, what piece of advice would you share with younger women that you wish you would three things what Shirley said you can you can have a better impact 
by lowering your voice rather than raising your voice. Mm -hmm. Don't get mad, get even. <laughs> and don't worry about how others look, just worry about how you look. Yeah. Those three things that I've taken, two from Kari, one from Shirley. I've taught that to Tommy, and now Tommy will spot it back at me sometimes. It's kind of funny. Karina's harder because she won't. Karina is really has her mindset, and she'll do things her way. You know, but Tommy, Tommy <laughs> kind of still listens to me. So um, <laughs> those are the three things I think I would yeah. pass those three jewels on mm -hmm. to other people. Yeah, you know what's really interesting that you say that because have you told that to Karina that don't worry about other people just how you are? No, never. That's funny because she actually just recently like yesterday told me she gave that advice to someone that was at her lab and I was like oh that's good and when he said that I was like oh I wonder if he told her that oh no no yeah. I told that to Tommy yeah that's yeah, really that's... funny because there was oh. there was like a, a a younger guy complaining about some high schoolers and she was like you know what you're supposed to do focus on your work don't focus on them and I was Perfect. like that's great advice and then I, I thought she got that from you wow oh, wow that's really cool. That is. <laughs> I always tell her, Onaji this. This is your future. She <laughs> yeah. hates that. She's like, ah. That's funny. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Oh, wow. I'm glad she said that to her coworker. Her uh -huh. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, and when she said that, when she told me she said that to him, I was like, that's a really good piece of advice. Yeah, because, I mean, especially in the workplace, you know, if if they're not doing something right, just focus on yourself. I mean, that that's what I tell my students, too. Yep. They're like, well, he's not singing the right song. I'm like, well, you are, and that's all that matters. That's right. Yeah, other <laughs> focus people on will yourself. notice them. Yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> we don't need you to point it out, too, and we all see it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay, well, okay. that's that's all my questions. Do you have... Oh. Anything else to add? <laughs> no, but I'm very flattered you asked me. Yeah, this is really you know? great. Thank you. I really enjoyed talking with my best friend's mom. Um, I feel like I learned some things about my friend through her mother's experience and just seeing where they're similar. I thought she talked about a lot of really interesting and inspiring things, but one of the things that really stuck out to me um, was that when she was talking about her coworker who had a more positive way of dealing with conflict and voicing opinions, I really like how she wanted to learn from that other woman instead of it becoming a point of contention where they deal with things differently. I thought that was really mature and really shows a growth mindset um, that she wanted to stay friends with this person even though they were different in how they responded to conflict. I like that she wanted to learn from her rather than letting that difference in personality come between them. I also really love how she talked about a challenging lesson in knowing and accepting that you can't do everything. I definitely... I'm still learning that lesson. It's still um, sometimes really hard for me to ask for help. I feel like I have to be able to do things on my own. Um, and it's also just, it's interesting because 
it's all about striking a balance because even in other interviews that I've done, um, there've been women who are encouraging people to, to chase their dream and do whatever they want to do. But then it's also striking a balance between pushing yourself and then also knowing what your limits are. And I really love what, um, what this woman said, my friend's mother, um, talking about accepting her limits, but also applying that to other people that accepting and just understanding that we just all have different abilities and understanding that we're all different and not expecting other people to be like you. I thought that was really good. And I'm definitely still learning that too. And I mean, I guess that's one of those things that we're just always learning. We're always learning what we can do, what we can't do, what other people can and can't do. And I guess it's all about just learning where we can balance each other out, where we can work together, where we can lift each other up, and where we need to work on ourselves too. Um, I also, the last thing is that admitting mistakes and making amends. It's definitely a really important skill to have. And I think it's also one of the hardest things to do to be able to admit that you've done something wrong and just to be vulnerable like that takes a lot of, what does it take a lot of? Maybe humility, um, a lot of introspection. It just, it's a good thing to do. And it definitely, it does feel good afterward. It's always the lead up to the tough conversation that really is just so uncomfortable. It's always the lead up, but then after you do it, it's just, feels a lot better. (laughs) Just sigh of relief. Thanks for listening to the Wise Not Withered show. If you found this episode particularly interesting or inspiring, please leave a comment, share, and subscribe. Check out wisenotwithered.com for interview partial transcripts, as well as updates about Phase 2, the Global Collaborative Project. Head on over to the Wise Not Withered Instagram page for inspirational quotes from each interview. Join the Wise Not Withered movement by sharing your own story or by interviewing a wise woman in your life and sharing through your favorite social media platform. Use the hashtag wise not withered. Thanks.